Well, welcome. Happy Easter. Here's what they told us. That this past week would be the hardest and the saddest week of most Americans' lives. The president said there will be a lot of death this week. We were told to brace ourselves for a, a sharp rise in the death toll from this novel coronavirus. Not so novel right now, is it? Indeed, when we look across our country, we have seen a lot of death as the United States has now passed Italy for the highest number of confirmed deaths due to COVID-19, now over 20,000 people. And on Friday alone, we recorded more than 2,000 deaths in a single day. And globally, the number of confirmed cases is now greater than 1.7 million people. Deaths around the world have surpassed 100,000 people. And while many of us listening to this this morning have not been directly impacted by the physical harm that this virus has caused, and we may not even know many people who have tested positive, it is so critical and important for us as followers of Jesus to bear one another's burdens and to weep with those who weep and to love like Jesus loved, who saw those who were suffering and every time he did, his heart went towards them. He was compassionate towards them. I've thought a lot this past week, and I'm sure you have, about these scary predictions of so much death. And I found myself praying for those who are suffering, dying alone, and their families who cannot be with them or even see them or touch them. It is tragic, and it is so sad. And I've thought a lot about how contagious this disease is and how in just six weeks, we've gone from 16 confirmed cases in the United States, and now we're approaching 600,000. And I thought a lot about the fear that it has unleashed in our world and the, and the shock and the grief that is skyrocketing, especially in hard-hit communities across our nation and around the world. But as gripping as all of this has been, and it has been such a major shift in the way we do life, in the way we relate, in the way we're allowed to work, the forcing of staying at home, that on this very week, as we stop to reflect on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that it seems most significant all of that happened this week. The week that the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. It's at least uncanny and probably more than coincidental that all of this happened in this week, a week where we also saw lots of death, where fear and sorrow gripped so many when Jesus was being hung on the tree. But in that week, we didn't see the death toll rising among the people. We just saw one innocent man who died on our behalf, who was isolated outside the city gates, and he, left in, in, he was left in unimaginable suffering, and he was removed from his loved ones, and he died alone. I also thought that, that maybe for the first time in our generation that we're able to identify as the church more closely with the early church and with the persecuted church whose celebration of his resurrection has to be more than hunting eggs or chocolate bunnies, or new shoes, or glazed hams, or silly gimmicks that get people into our church buildings.
for the New Testament church and for those right now around the world who are persecuted because they follow Jesus, Easter is about an empty tomb. It's about a fulfilled promise. It's about a defeated enemy. And it's about the ultimate victory over death and the grave. If our Easter traditions can be done without minimizing its real meaning, then there's really nothing wrong with them. I'm not condemning them, but we don't have to have them to celebrate his resurrection. We don't have to have them to have his resurrection power operating in our lives. They're not necessary to celebrate this day. In our own intimate, quiet time, we can rejoice that the Lord is risen. Yes, he is risen indeed. And while our church buildings are sitting empty this morning, so is the tomb. The tomb is empty. And that's the central thing we celebrate today. We celebrate Jesus, the, the Son of God who came to us from the Father. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin and he lived a sinless life, announcing to us a new kingdom, a new way of living, showing us what true love really is and turning humanity right side up, working on us from the inside out. But then he was falsely accused and he was sentenced by his own leaders. He was nailed to the cross by Roman soldiers and he died the most gruesome death known to man at the time. And with this death seemed to die all of the dreams and aspirations and the hopes of those who had believed on him. And during all of this, though it may look like he was a victim of his circumstances, he wasn't. He gave himself up for us. Nothing was taken from him. That's why he said in John chapter 10, verse 17, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. And so, on the third day after laying down his life, he took it back up again. And we are so glad that he did. The one who had proclaimed himself to be the resurrection and the life, he rose from the dead, never to die again. So, while it's understandable that the world would be consumed by the issues surrounding the coronavirus, I boldly declare to us today that the thing of greater importance is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I say that not ignoring the suffering that is going on around us. I say it because it's in the resurrection that we find hope in the midst of that suffering. Jesus being raised from the dead is the most significant event in all of history. Everything else Everything else we experience in life is just has to be seen through that prism of his sacrificial death and his overcoming the grave. I mean, everything that's in the Bible, everything that your faith is built upon, all of the reasons that you have to hope, they rest on this day, this day of his resurrection, the day that he rose from the dead. It's the turning point in history. And it's why the Apostle Paul could write to the church in Corinth 
and called out those who were denying that Jesus had risen from the dead. There were actually people in the church that were denying that Jesus had done so. And he said to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 and 17 through 19, he said, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Listen, it's upon this miracle, this factual and historical reality that Jesus rose from the dead, that our faith rests. You take that away and we are nothing. We have nothing. Paul says we're to be most pitied. If we minimize it's happening, then we're just living a fairy tale. But we know that that's not true. It did happen. Over 500 people saw him after his resurrection, indicating that he was clearly raised from the dead. The early church understood these things. They understood that even in the midst of great suffering and plagues of their own and persecution, that the reality of Jesus' resurrection changed everything and had made possible a life so connected with Jesus that Paul could go on to say to the church, the Galatian church, he would say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is how we live our lives in the middle of a worldwide crisis, in Christ. We live it in him. We have been crucified with him, and now we are alive with him. And what it all means is that our faith is not in vain, and that Paul's preaching and the preaching of every other true minister of the gospel since then, it's not been in vain. And it also means that those of us who are in Christ are no longer dead in our sins. The life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God. This is what we're celebrating today. And we can celebrate it wherever we are, with whoever we're with, in any setting that we find ourselves, He is risen can be celebrated right now. We're celebrating because the tomb could not hold Jesus. He busted out of there, having died for our sins and defeating death and the grave. And he purchased our souls. He adopted us into his family as his sons and daughters. And he forgave us completely, leading us into lives of no condemnation, but forgiveness and freedom and healing and health and wholeness. It is in Jesus that we have been crucified with him, but we also live our lives in the flesh because of him, in him, through him. Yes, Jesus laid down his life, just as he said, as the father had charged him. Think about that. The father charged Jesus with the task of laying down his life. That is the same message he's charged us with.
Jesus said to us that we are to lay down our lives, that we're to put it all on the line, that we're to push all the chips back to the center of the table. He charged us with the same charge that the Father charged him with, and that is to lay down our lives. Jesus laid down his. And then, after he had conquered death and sin and sickness and every imaginable virus you could think of, after conquering it all, he took back up his life again. He raised from the dead, and nothing will ever be the same. I love this hymn. We sing it when we're oftentimes together. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. I want to say to you as clearly as I possibly can, though I don't see your faces, you can see mine by electronic medium, but I want to say to you clearly, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. And nothing that happens in this world, in our lives, in our circumstances, will ever change that fact. Everything we face in this world is seen through the prism of his sacrificial death and his glorious resurrection. So my charge to us as the church, as people of Jesus Christ, as his body, as living stones being built up, as his ambassadors of reconciliation, as salt of the earth, as light in the world, I say to each of us, let's live like it. Let's live like that he rose from the dead and it makes a difference to us. Let's live as those who have been crucified with him so that we might live our lives in him. And let's live in his resurrection power with the joy of the Lord as our strength and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guarding our hearts. Let's live ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us, a hope that truly does not disappoint. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife to come back and we're going to pray for you. We're going to ask the Lord to be with you and to strengthen you and to encourage you on this day, the day of his resurrection. For me, Easter means resurrection power in my life to bring me to obedience. There's a scripture in Colossians 1 that says, I have become his servant. God has chosen me to make known his glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in and among you, the hope and guarantee of glory. Jesus is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with his wisdom so that we may present them mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously labor with all the resurrection energy that Christ powerfully works in me.
That's my prayer for all of us today. Let's pray. Father, we are overwhelmed by the gift of forgiveness, of hope, of grace. But most of all, we are overwhelmed that you have brought us in and given us unfettered access and intimacy with you. Something we could never have done on our own. That's right. And because you are so big, it is personal to each one. And yet, there is a corporate purpose to it all. Mm. Because you're not satisfied that even one should perish. Mm. So God, even as we celebrate the giving of your son and the ability that it gives us to come to your throne of grace and receive what we need that only you can provide. Mm -hmm. We acknowledge that we want to be servants of the gospel. We want to receive our mission and the power that comes with it, Mm -hmm. that you exploded into our lives because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. Yes, you did. We can't have one without the other. So I pray for each of us in our sphere of influence today that you would work that power so mightily in us that we would be compelled beyond every distraction or personal interest, but we would be compelled to share the gospel in every way possible and using words when we must. Mm -hmm. Thank you that your power raised us from the dead and that you have invited us to speak with power about your power so that others can be raised from the dead. Yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all the revelation we walk in this day. We realize, Lord, there's so much more that we do not know. There's so much more that we have not experienced. And yet, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the one who started and authored it, and who is the one who will finish and complete it in each of us. Lord, I pray that in these days, we will be reminded and live in the power of your resurrection, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead would quicken us in our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits, that we would live in resurrection power. Yes. That we would not live gripped with fear. That we would not live in in fear of what could be or what might be, but we would live in faith knowing what is and what has been. Yes. And what will be. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us with the charge you have given to us, the same charge your father gave to you, to lay down your life, that you might sacrifice even your life for us. And I pray that we would do the same, Lord. You've called us to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross and to follow you. May we be servants of the master, disciples of the Lord. And I pray, Father, that we will find 
No more life that we've been crucified with you on the cross, but we live our lives in the flesh in Christ Jesus today. Bless our church family. Bless each of the people that are listening on this live stream. Bless them, Lord, that they might be a blessing this day. And may we celebrate your goodness. Yes. Celebrate your life. Celebrate your resurrection power. Ask all of these things and bless the people in Jesus' name. Amen.